the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 23 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, as I am recording this just after weigh-ins for UFC on ABC2, UFC Vegas 23, UFC Vittori versus Holland, who is stepping in for Darren Fochentil. And uh, that's right, uh, so as per usual on these breakdown shows, if you... Uh, are in a rush, you can go ahead and uh, check the timestamps, whether you're on YouTube, you listen to the audio version. Thank you for giving this video a like. Subscribing to my channel there helps a lot, Daniel Tom MMA, or giving it the five-star ratings review because you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can always check the show notes for when I start these breakdowns, as I will always break down the cards from top to bottom. I'll always mark that start time in the show notes for you. Uh, and if you really want to listen to me less or even more of a rush, I don't blame you. I always give you the option to skip to the very end where I recap my picks and plays. Uh, so with that being said, there really is no card to recap. Bellator 256 is going down tonight. Um, taking Bader in the rematch, who is 2-0 rematches, versus Machida, who is uh, 0-3. Uh, and the line kind of reflects that, so we'll see if Bader can get his revenge. Other than that, I'm pretty much picking Chalk. Nothing too sexy there. Of course, you can always catch my main event write-ups for Bellator, just like my main event write-ups for the UFC, in case there's anything I miss on here that you want to double-check or see for yourself. Uh, go ahead and check those out over at MMAJunkie.com. But uh, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for following along at the PYN Podcast, where you can find and contribute questions, uh, top fives, which we did last week. Hopefully you guys like that to this show. If you follow at the PYN Podcast, very helpful. Do not pollute your feeds. And, of course, this show uh, is uh, hosted there by uh, MixedMartialAnalyst.com, where you can support the show that is free, always has been free for the last five years, and will remain free, providing you breakdowns, top fives, interviews, and much more. Uh, there is a on it click-through or an Amazon click-through. I know corporations aren't the sexiest to back, I believe me, but if you'd like to ease your conscience or if you just don't care at all and would like to support a show giving you free entertainment, feel free to go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Look at those click-through banners at the right. All you do is click through, continue through with your shopping. Nothing tricky like that. Just one extra click and a small percentage of your purchase at no extra charge to you will be kicked back to the program. And that, as well as the PayPal donation, if you just want to donate up front, as some of you have done, I actually, like I always do, use this money for the show. Um, I've been so darn busy this week, as I kind of warned you listeners via my Twitter, at DanTomMMA, because, like, you know, I actually got, like, a new mic stand and a mic holder that I need, because... Uh, my, my shit is uh, currently MacGyvered right now. Yes, Dan, that's a relevant reference from the 80s. But, um, <clears throat> like, I've got that, movies, T-shirts, like, all this stuff, like, package it, all still in its package, like, on my, not nightstand, whatever 
piece of furniture under the TV. It's like it's just stacked up a bunch of stuff. Like, you think I would have gotten to. Remember that X-Men um, little video game handheld from the 90s that I posted the other day? That's still in its packaging there, too. Um, I've just been so busy. I haven't been able to do any of the fun stuff. Just the unfun stuff and work, which I love my work, thankfully. But uh, weeks like this, it is hard to do um, the work that I would love. I would just love to go through these cards top to bottom and do my usual routine of passing through the cards. Um, I was not able to go through that in depth, but I was able to do some. I will give you my leans, what I'm looking to play, and as well as, as per usual, even on weeks like this, facts that you probably won't um, find on other podcasts or, or so, or, or hard-pressed to find, and that's no shot at other podcasts. I'm just saying it's a pretty unique show where the lunatics run the asylum, and the facts are actually pretty relevant and within context. Or at least I try to do my best to do so, right? Um so yeah, uh, that's about it for Bellator 256. Um, top fives, I just wanted to shout those out. Again, give you guys not one, not two, but three shows on what should have been an off week. And even though I'm regretting not taking that week off, uh, the, the rare UFC week, the, the fact is I still had to cover Bellator that week anyways. So I ended up doing a recap show on Sunday with um, at Brass Chuck. Uh, that was fun. Thank you guys for joining in on the live chat format. I want to do those more often when I can. Um, also did top five tools for camp prep with, uh, my man, Schwan Humes at black B L A K Jordan Breen. Make sure to give him a follow as well as, uh, the other shows he does from the MMA ratings podcast to, uh, big Frank Posen's podcast. Uh, shout out to that guy. Sounds like better call Saul. Love it. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. I'm like, but, uh, after that we did a top five, uh, dark horses for 2021, 2022 with my man, uh, at Spencer kite, who you should definitely be following. Subscri uh, subscribing to a Substack, keyboard Kimura newsletter. Um, and then, uh, recently, uh, I'll probably not be doing shows for a minute cause I'm just, your boy is overloaded and there's just a lot I've been having to deal with that I'll, I'll spare you guys. It's not, not fun. Uh, but, uh. This was fun. This was really fun, actually. Um, and I recommend if you want to give it a listen to. Uh, it's uh, the South China Morning Post live chat. Of course, you could follow them at, at SCMPMMA. And that, of course, was hosted by my man, John Hyun Ko, at JHKMMA. And we had a little menage en trois with a gentleman who I follow and respect and like his work. And you should follow him and his work as well. Uh, Scott, Scott Fontana, at Scott underscore... Fontana, not Fantana. Um, good dude as well, man. That was really fun. Uh, and shouts to my, my man Steve G on Twitter. Uh, you know, uh, at Steve, uh, at Steve Expat there um, for that share and always the uh, kind words and humor, which you know we definitely could you know use more of both in the world and uh, you know in this space. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to give the, those a shouts and of course all of you guys, man, for for uh, you know. For, for, for following, subscribing to the YouTube channel, Daniel, Tom, and May, all that good stuff. Uh, the positive ratings and reviews, which um, I'm going to skip the Amazon reads, and I'm going to attach that and then that to the next week. I was planning to try to get this out early for you guys this week, but uh, it just it just was not having it between, you know, yeah, dog stuff, mom stuff, health stuff, uh, and just, you know, yeah, just, just craziness, man, craziness. And uh, I'm really trying to steer away from, like, bad news to bad MMA news or whatever and all that crap I, it's been enough enough downness but yeah it's just oof. 
a lot of the same bullshit pretty much that I've complained about or you've complained about or is the general stereotype. It's, there's been plenty of those examples since I've spoken to you guys last. So this is not that show. No need to go into that here. But yeah, it's been a it's been a week. So we'll just leave it at that. And we will push on through, break on through to the other side. Eight, oh, eight is I timestamp. All right, uh, Dan, you don't have to sing uh, your outdated music to... All right, Grandpa, uh, we're going to jump over to UFC on ABC2 uh, since there's nothing really to recap. And again, Bellator is going on as you hear this or have gone on by the time you've heard this probably. So we're going to start from the top. Marvin Vittori, who was supposed to face uh, Darren Fochentil, gets uh, Kevin the Smackman, Holland. Um, and uh, yeah, so we got uh, you know Holland. He's, uh, we just saw him from a turnaround with Derek Brunson. Really bad pick for me. Uh, and again, I was very just shitting on my pick and t- saying that Brunson probably going to wrestle in the whole way. One of those ones where I classically pick wrong, but like lay out the path right. So hopefully you listen to me and when I say don't follow me off those. You know, because Holland uh, had a tougher performance and not just the talking or the arguments of his style, but his own self-admission to, you know, cardio and, and five rounds being a lot to handle. Now he's got to do that on a, on a short notice turnaround against a guy who I had reservations, which is why I, again, reluctantly sided with uh, Jack Hermanson, who actually had the five-round experience. But as Marvin Vittori proved in that fight, he now can go to war for the uh, the whole five rounds. And, um, and that fight was actually kind of on short notice, too, because he had to speed up his camp. He wasn't exactly prepping for that. Uh, of course, that resulted, which, of course, uh, of a, another Darren Till pulled out don't pull out enough if you ask me. <laughs> Dad, come on, need that commentary. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of ironic. Um, and now, Holland faces another southpaw. He just lost to a southpaw, but it was to wrestling. And before that, he was pretty much 6-0 and against um, UFC level or UFC notable southpaws, if you want to put it that way. Uh, as his right hand and um, lack of process, and even though he can put things together and behind a jab, uh, just the lack of those things. When I say lack of process, you know, you could very easily arguably do those more. However, because of that shot selection, as we saw, and even like, he's like the opposite Tyron Woodley, where he's like flamboyant and more active than Woodley, but not really. They both kind of just, you know, they both thrive in that open stance matchup because they both really lean on that right hand. However, Holland in recent interviews talked about surprising him with the left, which would be smart considering the left hook is the southpaw killer. Um, the, the problem is Vittori just is big, durable head. You know, I don't. I'm gonna blame Zane Simon for the grimace comparison, but uh, every time I see him now, especially the fact that like Zane Simon compares him to the grimace, and Vittori goes on and weighs in in some big old purple joggers his last fight. I'm like, now I just you know nothing can kill the grimace. Uh, shout out to Clerks animated series. Um, <laughs> Can the virus kill the Grimace? Nothing can kill the Grimace. Uh, <laughs> such a great scene. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, his durability, his pressure, uh, the fact that Vittori, too, can counter and fight off the back foot when he needs to. Um, he can attack all levels. He goes to the body. Uh, obviously, a better kicker and a stronger kicker than Holland, who uses just more like the kung fu cross-knee check kicks and, like, you know, m- more wacky stuff like that. Um all he spec to Kung Fu, of course, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the Italian fighter here, no surprise. I actually went with Vittori by decision. 
just because Holland is durable and can survive. Uh, however, I feel like Vittori can very much force a stoppage late here, um, or maybe even force him to give a submission with just pouring it on. So I wouldn't like go and bet the decision prop, but that was my official pick for what it's worth. Um, I'm not sure if I listed in the breakdown, but I do attach the caveat there. If I didn't, I should have listed it in the breakdown um, because, uh, yeah, it basically... A late stoppage would not surprise me in rounds late three to five. Um, anything else to say on that matchup? Not really, right? Yeah, um, just, yeah, Vittori, you know, I think he's going to also remind people of his wrestling too, which wouldn't hurt. So uh, he's got the uh, head outside singles that he could finish with. He can change levels in the open. Obviously, he can change levels against the cage. So look for that. Um, next fight, this one's fun. I actually, I didn't get to watch all the tape I wanted to, but uh, I went back, pretty much watched all of Sadiq Yusuf's fights, and then Arnold Allen's last fight, okay? Um, but you got Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if I gave odds. It was uh, Vittori was uh, minus 350, Holland plus 290. Sadiq Yusuf, minus 150, Arnold Allen plus 130. Um, yeah, it opened a bit closer, I want to say. Yeah, minus 120, Sadiq, which makes sense. Um, if it goes any wider than this, then I really don't blame anybody playing Allen. You know me, Southpaw. Um, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's fade the super athletic guy or whatever. Um, like you, maybe you suspect, you know, underdog, um, a lot, a lot of tempting angles. You could suspect me or many going after here, but actually, no, I went with uh super Sadiq Yusuf. Um, you know, he's impressed me. It's weird. It's two, three round decisions in the UFC, not including contender series. Like the first one, he grows in paces and pressure, uh, throughout all three rounds. So, you know, the, the Rogan, those muscles need oxygen stereotype doesn't really fall there. That being said, that fight was off of like a three-month lay, uh, layoff, so he was pretty fresh. Uh, whereas this fight, he's never really had a, a whole year layoff like this. So he's coming in desperate, and he already kind of comes in wanting to make that money, which is admirable. If you know Sadiq's situation, it's really obviously admirable and respectable and awesome. But speaking from a critical angle, you do worry if he's not going to fight smart when he has the choice to because he's always bonus, bonus hunting. Uh, however, even in the second decision win, which was much harder, I believe that was Andre Feely, where, um, you know, again, I'm not a big numbers guy uh, for the pace, but it does give you a general idea. It, it does show that his numbers actually trend down in that one, right? His most recent three-round fight. However, when you watch the fight, um, you know, you, you, or his fights overall, it's not that he can't win rounds. Sadiq uh, does have round-winning styles. He will go to the body. He will attack levels. Um He's not high volume by any means, but he counters. He's consistently out there and throwing, uh, giving a, being a presence for the judges to score. And um, in that fight, which could maybe relate to why he slowed in the third against Feely, is that um, he did a lot of grappling in the second, right? Which he usually doesn't do. But it was great to see because that's what we needed to see from Sadiq. And he showed good offensive and defensive grappling, positional play. And that'll come in handy against a guy like Allen, who has a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I think he's had it since he came into the UFC. And he's always been kind of a real spazzy character. And that especially comes out in his ground game. Faraz has been able to hone it in a bit uh, on the feet. Although part of me, that does worry me because I feel like... Um, Again, I haven't been able. I wasn't able to go back like to through his Yatsid Meza fights to see, which by the way he actually knocks out Yatsid Meza at the end of the third round. It's very similar to OSP Reyes for people who forgot that fight. Um, but like you know, to see if his output has dropped off, 
and what the trade-off is because I don't like output dropping off, but I also get more structure, process, and discipline, not just being taught from Faraz slash the TriStar Gym, but being instilled to a young, sporadic, you know, wild kind of fighter, right? Like Alan, you know? Um, and he's not incredibly wild. It's more his personality, but his personality does bleed through to his style. And you see that kind of come about in, in, in places. And he'll kind of get lackadaisical with his defense because he thinks he's okay. And then he's you know taking hard shots from Nick Lentz that he probably shouldn't take, you know? Um, that was the fight that I did go back to watch from Allen. So I, I didn't get the full retrospect, but part of me worries that he could be fighting closer than he needs to. But the good thing here for Allen, which is why I'm not I'm gonna stay away, pick Sadiq, but I'm gonna stay away, and I wish you underdog Allen better is the best, is that I know, I know, Dan Tom's gonna have a southpaw theory here, but the southpaw stance could really be the X factor here. Sadiq did knock out uh Gabriel Benitez, who, you know, I'm a, again, is a tough left-hand guy. I've always been one of the most highest on. Very good striker. Not just with his kicks, improved boxing. And you forget that it was just a one-two down the pipe coming forward right in front of uh, Sadiq Yusuf's face that knocked him down before he got the knocked out. knockout. He actually got knocked down. Um, he recovered well, but, you know, that's something to watch for. I can't remember if his one stoppage was from a southpaw or not. But I don't know if that's relevant from stance, considering that there was like some eye poke kind of direction before that thing happened, and then um, it was like a weird thing where like I think like Sadiq got like arm dragged into the mat and like knocked himself out by like his head hitting the mat. So it wasn't exactly like your normal striking thing. But against southpaws, he did get dropped before getting that knockout. And again, not making an excuse for you know Sadiq slowing down in that third round, but. Um, part of it could be to, due to the grappling, for sure. And another part, for sure, could have been that Feely, for whatever reason, waited to the round three to switch southpaw, which I thought he would have done earlier, um, which is why I believe I might have picked Feely in that fight. Um, he hit the the double legs, well-timed doubles, and the, you shouldn't condemn Sadiq for those because people always forget that Feely can actually wrestle. And uh, more specifically, his strongest grappling attribute is his level-changing double, and he did it at the perfect time. So um, I don't know if you should be condemning Yusuf for that, uh, I think he's shown good ground awareness and defense. Otherwise, he doesn't uh, put himself out of position a, a whole ton. Um, but the southpaw, back to that third round, the, the southpaw uh, stance seemed to also trouble him a bit. So that is the worry here. I'm going to pick Yusuf for more varied shots, more powerful shots, more varied directions or targets. Um and um, and yeah, I mean, I just I just don't trust Allen. To Allen's still young too. I mean, they both are, but like I just I still don't trust Allen. Essentially, his personality. You know, I love his personality. I just as far as how it translates to fighting, I still don't trust him to um, win the rounds. He's going out there and he, I, you know, he's getting better direction, better technique, clear improvement from for us and them. Not trying to take away from that. Not throwing shade at that. It's all good stuff. Uh, you know, again, and, and not to do strength of competition deal, but. You know, it's a lot of older past prime on their way out, guys, too. That, and not to Allen's fault, a lot of the, the good matchups have been canceled for him. But th those are the kind of guys he's doing it to, and he's relying. He's fighting a lot closer than he needs to when I remember or go back to watch these fights. So for that reason, I will I will take Yusuf, who is, uh, you know, you know that guy's story. He's he's going out there. He's, losing is not an option for this guy. So I'll take Yusuf here. Uh, next fight, um, 
Julian Marquez, minus 175. Uh, Smiling Sam Alvey, plus 155. Going to go with Julian Marquez here. You know, I went to Sam Alvey's Instagram, and, man, this guy looks like in, 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 in great shape. Uh, you know, best shape I've seen him in in a while, and uh, which kind of worries me, right? Um, and, uh, you know, because Marquez is going to bring it bring it out of Alvey. He's the kind of fighter that Alvey, you know, you can criticize Alvey's fighting style or his output, and that's fair, but in this kind of a fighting style, I think Alvey will come to life. That being said, Marquez has a stupid chin, and I think that's going to be the ultimate factor that saves him. Whereas Alvi has always had a crazy chin, but he's actually been getting hurt more and more, which kind of makes sense when you look at the guy's age and miles. They're pretty deceptive. Uh, he hasn't been down to 185 for a while, although he looked great on the scales. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take Marquez in what will be, uh, I'm, you know, I'm almost confident enough to consider like pairing him up with someone for a fun parlay. Uh, however, I feel like he's going to fight way closer than this needs to be. That being said, because of the chin and the other things I said, I still feel that Marquez will will roll and come up on top here. It's just it, you're just going to sweat it for sure. Um, so I haven't played that, and I'm not looking forward to playing it. I just I was thinking about it, but the line was trending down. But I don't think it's going to trend down any further. If it does, I'll definitely be looking more at Marquez. Um, next fight, Nina Ansaroff, minus 140. Mackenzie Dern at plus 120. Um, you know, hey, man, I'm a big fan of Dern like y'all. Not, not in a creepy way. Uh, but, uh, well, you know. All right, Dan, stay on target. Stay, <laughs> stay on target. Um, see, I got Star Wars love, too. Y'all, I, I know I lost a lot of followers because I said uh, get rid of the first three, DC, Marvel, and um, what was it? Fucking Star Wars. But that was only because, like, I I, I, lo I actually collected comic books, folks. Like, X-Men, I'm a big X-Men fan. But, you know, Dan Tom, I don't like the corporate contrarian stuff. And I'm contrarian all this corporate money grab and the obvious formulaic predictable bullshit. And you have to see 20 fucking movies. It kind of ruined it for me. Um, Yeah. And then, then you got, you know, one of my film... It was just also... I also tweeted that because it was a bad week for film podcasts. My comedy film podcasts... The keyword comedy spent the time fucking breaking down the uh, Snyderverse. Oh, kind of like a breakdown podcast, spending time on offshoots of movies? Quiet, you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, my other podcast I, I like and the host I like spent three episodes um, trying to, you know, figure out and questioning and arguing why Minari, you know, should be a foreign film. Hence uh, proving my uh, model, uh, you know, what do you call it? Perpetual foreigner. And I do love me some Star Wars and stuff. I just like, dude, it's almost been 50 years, by the way. And I like with Star Wars, and I, I don't think they've given us one meaningful Asian character, considering uh, how the Jedi is essentially a ripoff of the samurai and that whole dogma, or the fact that he's ripped off films like Yojimbo or many other Akira Kurosawa. Uh, you know, so from film to culture, like how Star Wars is just reeking of Asian stuff. And uh, yeah, I think over 50 years, we've gotten the banker clan, the banker clan. Fuck you, George Lucas, in episode one. And then I think in episode two, we got random Asian Jedi girl getting shanked in the background of Jedi battle. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get uh, we can get some meaningful Asian characters in Star Wars one day. And uh, Dan Tom will get back on the train. So until then, I'm going to reference the stay on target. Wow, speaking of stay on target, we have Mackenzie Dern. Uh, I, yeah, I don't blame anybody playing for this dog price. Sorry for that. I probably just lost more <laughs> listeners because of that one. But uh I don't blame anybody playing Mackenzie Dern um, at the dog price. Uh, she was tempting, but I, I didn't go back to watch her last fight against Fernandji Joba. Um, to see, I, know, I, I remember her striking improvements 
are, are there, which will make this fight very close. But Nina Ansaroff's, you know, got some footwork and some kicks, and she knows how to distance well off them. Um, and her takedown defense, I was reminded of how, how how good it is. Not just by the stats. If you go look through who she's fought, some of the best takedown artists in the division, um, or you know, more dangerous top names, uh, grappling strong fighters on paper. I know Kajelia gasses, but still, um, these are impressive wins. And you look back at her takedown defense and her get up game, the way she uses the cage. I really like it. Obviously, the layoff is the question of the pregnancy. However, Ansaroff's come off multiple layoffs, and I would argue like the knee injuries because she looks like she's almost wobbly on her knees like a newborn deer, which is why I would pick against her. However, I have been seeing less and less of that in the last few fights. And considering that this last layoff wasn't for any type of knee injury, I don't expect that to digress. Um, I know she got up to near 185 pounds and successfully made weight this morning at 116. That's kind of crazy, right? Um, granted, that's almost within a two-year period, but still, that being said, I looked at how she looks normally to do the, I know, it's weird to do the body comparison, especially with females, but then again, this is the podcast that probably one of two podcasts on your MMA podcast feed that focuses on male genitalia more than they should, uh, it, so uh, forgive me, but I, I, I'll say this, that just, you know, looking at, you know, the body comparisons from uh, Ansaroff on the scales and her social media to previous fights, there really is not much of a difference here. Um, she always kind of looks, you know, she always kind of has that physique, right? Um, it doesn't really, she still has output. She's still very strong for the division. She's big for the division, uh, functional for the division. Um, and again, and I know the mom thing, but you, Dern's a mom too. And I know, you know, Dern has a great point that, you know, Ansaroff is not going to be as strong here. She is going to be two or three fights down, and there's nothing she could do about that. And I believe that there is truth to that. Even though I'm not a woman, what the fuck do I know? I'm just I'm going off of what another what another woman, another pregnant woman, another pregnant woman fighter who had to recover from a similar thing um, has said. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, I'm not trying to take away any credence in that. Uh, it, it all the more makes Duran live here as I wish you luck. I'm staying away, but I did end up picking Ansaroff um, in my junkie staff picks. Uh, and I'm going to stick by that. By the way, I actually picked Jeremy Kennedy on my staff picks but uh, for Bellator's fight tonight. But I just saw, uh, I guess I picked Boric. So for what that's worth, um, I don't want to mislead. It's, it's always tough for me because it's like, you know, a lot of the MMA gamblers follow me. So I want to make sure I get those right. And it's really stressful because you got to get them in early. And even if we get them in early, it's a jumble. And I don't, I don't envy Uncle Matt's job of doing those picks. But I just want to let you all know that uh, I didn't actually pick Boric's. Ah, boy, am I jumping all over the fucking place today. All right, uh, let's go to the next fight. Good luck on your Dern plays there. Um, Daniel Rodriguez, D-Rod, minus 140, Mike Perry, plus 120. This is another similar one, feels, that has, like, Sam Alvey Marquez, where I'm still going to come in and picking the guy that I'm leaning, which is the favorite, which is Daniel Rodriguez. However, you know, D-Rod, uh, even though I picked him, like, I picked Marquez by sub and cashed that last time, you know. He didn't look good, Marquez, right, coming out. And I, I expect Marquez to look better. Whereas D-Rod didn't have that excuse. He was almost too active. He's not. He wasn't coming off the big inactivity. And, you know, again, I was just... I think it was another, like, Southpaw thing where I was wrong on, right? 6-0 against Southpaws. I pick... Brent, I pick, uh, what do you call... Um, Holland, and then he goes 6-1. Well, Nicholas Dalby was 0-6 against UFC-level Southpaws. So you bet your ass I loaded up. Probably told you to load up on Daniel Rodriguez, and boy, was I wrong. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. 
So there's a little bit of that here, right? Uh, and I don't want to overcorrect the steering wheels we often do, especially like a lot of MMA gamblers. You just bet on the guy. It's like, fuck that guy. It's like, no, you got you got to clear your palate. That being said, you know, you got to also admit when, you know, there, there's a little bit of remnant of bias there, whatever that bias is, and, and uh, maybe that's not the right word here, but you know what I mean. There's a little bit of that bad taste in my mouth, right? Whereas Mike Perry, he's been a guy I've been fading and even like, you know, saying, hey, the bad word looks suspect. And then sure enough, he comes out and has... Gets outstruck by Mickey Gall, you know? Uh, but that being said, I also told you, um, the underrated grappler, and he was able to positionally outwork Mickey Gall. So um, I don't think I've had bad... Re- I think I've had very good reads on Mike Perry. Um, that being said, I'm not as hungry to fade him as you might think, even though the price is getting workable. Um, it's just that Mike Perry actually went over MMA Masters. Shout out to Spencer Kite, um, who we'll be talking about probably again here, because um, we've got some dark horses in the mix. Um... But yeah, uh, we were talking MMA Masters, been doing some good things. I believe that's where Mike Perry relocated back to. The fact that he's just in a camp again and dieting again. He looked like he actually like you know trained for this fight. So this could be one of those weird Mike Perry fights where he remembers how to fight again and does what he does well. Um, you know, I fuck, I don't have how is how, he off soft offhand? I'm gonna look offhand how he how he is off southpaws. I don't I don't know if he's really faced many, has he? Oh, means he lost two. Yeah, that's right. Jeff Neal, he lost to. Um, Felder, Griffin, Fonzanibio, Alex Reyes. Joe Ban, he lost to. Danny Roberts, it was a competitive fight, um, and then he won that. So, yeah, uh, he is uh, one and three against Southpaws. So, hmm, okay, that's a little more on the D-Rod side. I like that. Didn't really change my pick because I was already picking Daniel Rodriguez. Haven't played it. I will say, though, if we drop under the minus 140 that I'm seeing, I may take a shot, especially if I'm doing well. Next fight, uh, the second coming of Kenny Florian, Joe Selecki, minus 240, versus Jim Milasson, plus 200. Uh, Jim goes any more north of 200. It will be the obligatory Jim Miller dog bet sprinkle. You guys know me. That being said, as an analyst, I got to put my Millerson bias aside. My favorite lightweight fighter of all time. One of my favorite fighters of all time. A fighter that this company built off the backs of the, the UFC. This was always kind of upset that, you know, uh, you, know they, 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 you know, they didn't give him his full pay, which is just like, Jesus Christ, come on. It's Jim fucking Miller here. Um, Jim's a savage. He looks like he's in great shape for this one. You know, it's always hard to tell what kind of camps you're going to get with Jim because of the Lyme disease. Is that intangible? Uh, I would say that intangible is on the good side with the way Jim's looking. Just, you know, um, doing the old eye test there. However, Jim is like a kid in a candy shop. He just, he can't avoid brawls. So even if his conditioning is good, um, he will gas himself out giving everything he has. And uh, Selecki, from what it sounds like, he's saying everything you want to hear. Smart guy. Smart team formulating his game plan, and I think he's just going to wrestle and positionally uh, frustrate him like uh, you did to Matt Wyman. And that is, you know, stylistically the worst match for Jim Miller. Jim Miller's beaten good jujitsu guys, like he cited, sure, but it was different stylistic matchups. It was jujitsu guys that would either stand with him or jujitsu guys that were just as wild in a scramble and uh, as good as they were, they weren't beyond giving um, submissions themselves, like the free Fabrizio Camoisius of the world, right? Um, so yeah, I'm going to be rooting like hell for Jim Miller. Um, I think he could, you know, surprise us all and like, you know, fight like he did against Lozon number two, where he reminds us of his back foot countering game, um, and kind of just points him. Right. That being said, I, I don't, I don't know if I could trust Jim Miller to keep doing that, even though he has had glimpses of doing that in the past. 
much less it whether he decides to do it or not, if he can keep the takedowns uh, from Selecki off in that small cage. So pick his Selecki here, and I'll probably be sprinkling on Jim Miller with my hat. And don't follow me. Um, Matthias Gunrot, minus 240. Scott Hachash-Houchman, plus 200. Um, both these guys made weight. Um, I think Scott Scotty's like 3-2 and two against the UFC Southpaws. And I say that because Gunrot, he can fight from both stances, but he's primarily a Southpaw. Um, really good grappler, good wrestling scrambler, but uh, ADC, multiple-time ADCC winner or qualifier, I believe, for like years European trials as well. Um, and, uh, I think he's going to be testing Scott Holtzman's get-up game, which thankfully Scott Holtzman, he still has that MMA lab fingerprints. He's got the good get-up game off the cage. But, uh, yeah, Scotty Hot Sauce Holtzman is 3-2 and two against UFC-level southpaws. Uh, one of the ones that he beat was, uh, Alan Patrick, of course, who, you know, was a ghost at that point or on his way out. And then the other one was the aforementioned Jim Miller, who Jim Miller, Speaking of those left-handed counters, actually, you know, made a good account of himself for that fight despite the the UD loss. If you go back and watch it, so not confident in Holtzman against Southpaws. I'm gonna take Gamrot here. However, uh, even though it should seem like an easy pick for Gamrot to roll, I do have a feeling that if you do lay the check on Gamrot with his fighting style and the way he matches with Holtzman, that this fight is gonna be fought a lot cl- uh, closer than the line represents. And the line isn't like super wide, but it, it's a moderate. He's definitely moderate, uh, moderate favorite range for sure. So, just a fair warning on that one. But the pick is Gamrot. Um, Ignacio Bahamundes minus one ninety versus John Mc, the the Bull McDessey, um, plus one sixty five. Every time I see John McDessey, I pop up on a card. I'm I'm just like hanging around. He's always hanging, hanging, hanging around. I just I don't get it. Shout out to my man. Uh, shout out to my man Jay York. Uh, multiple co-hosts of this uh, podcast. Uh, I know John McDessey is one of his guys. I believe it was that that spinning back that, that spinning backfist at like UFC 129. He's <laughs> a man McDessey's been living off of. But um, but yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if the bull can. Um, it's and he's just he just doesn't throw enough in his fights, man. Too. So I don't know. I don't remember about Ignacio Bahamundes because like motherfucker again like. I don't know why they keep drawing from, like, even though the one contender's card I didn't cover last year only had four fights, two of those fighters are on this fucking card. Like, two of them were on another card. So even if I wrote them up, I would have forgot because this contender series and UFC schedule, like, fucking molest Dunbar's number in my head where names are just popping out left and right. Um, You know? Uh, But uh, so I don't know if I would have remembered this guy anyways, but I did not have a write-up on Bahamundes or the other fighter, but it was... It sucked because when I go look at it, I'll type in this and grading the winners. And I'm like, Bleacher Report grading the winners. I'm like, this isn't me. And uh, I don't want to call out the writer because I follow him and he follows me on Twitter. And let's be honest, I can't get mad. It's like me getting mad at a top five, you know, and everyone does top five something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Grading the winners is kind of not a a concept that belongs to me or Junkie, you know. Uh, So, um, but yeah, I was just like, Grading the winners, Dana White Contender Series, huh? Okay. <laughs> I see you. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm going to pick Bahamundes because clearly I've, I've never been high on McDessey. Hanging, hanging around. Uh, but, you know, I'm not telling you to go lay this chalk, all right? So uh, probably an avoid for me. 
Um, Aaron Blanchfield, plus 210. Norma Dumont, minus 250. It's like, oh, wide fight? What the heck? But I get it. Blanchfield, yes, she's an EBI winner. Uh, or youngest female EBI winner for Eddie Bravo's. Um, but Dumont's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. She's not foreign to it. And her other martial art of choice is Sanda, which has a lot of clinch and a lot of clinch wrestling. More specifically, uh, Dumont has got donk, donk, uh, the bottom half to uh, really make takedowns tough because she was a former 45er, whereas Blanchfield um, not is a former flyweight. She is a flyweight, and she's just stepping up to 135 for this fight. So it's going to be a huge size difference. I don't see her getting Dumont to the ground. Um, and even if she does or ends up on bottom, I don't even see her getting any fancy like leg locks or anything like that because... Just those, it's going to be some hard legs to move around there. Some real heavy bottom half Blanchfield's going to be working against. So I may actually look to, you know, dangerously put Dumont in something. Don't follow me off that cliff, but she's definitely going to be the pick here. Um, next fight Jack Shore minus 170, Hunter Azure plus 150. Shout out to Gorgeous George who uh, calls uh, Hunter Azure uh, Brian, um, who's the fucking manager? Sucker Punch Management. There we go. Brian Butler. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to go uh, Jack Shore here. Um, I know Azur, he's got wrestling and a, and a honey badger pace, but like I've seen his pace wane in fights since the Contender Series, and I've seen him lean on striking more, which I don't think he'll do, considering he was knocked out. Um, whereas Jack Shore can intercept in all those ranges. Um, Shout out a well-deserved dark horse for Spencer Kite on his list. Jack Shore, man. Um, I'm, I'm real high on this kid, too. Um, I said judo black belt. He's actually a Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt um, to go along with other martial arts experience that he has. Um, I'm just a real big fan of the kid. Uh, I think Hunter Azor is going to be bad news if he initiates takedowns with the length and the grappling skills and scrambling of Shore. And striking, I don't see him offering... A lot for sure. He's going to have to close against a, you know, a striker who's not out of school. Um, and we'll also have the length on him as well. Not that I'm really hanging my hat on that, but, you know, it doesn't hurt here. Um, I, I should have played sure when he was like minus 150 or so. What did he open at? I forgot, but he creeped up to minus 160 before I could pull the trigger. And now I'm just thinking about parlay zone. I don't know. I'm either thinking about parlaying him with like Vittori or like a Dumont or something for like just plus money. But that's what I'm looking at for Jack Shore. If he goes back under 170, I will reconsider pulling the trigger for Chalk, but not at minus 170. That's right at my, hmm, questionable, squint the eyes look line, you know, for as far as straight plays go. So Jack Shore all day here. Uh, Luis Saldana, again, another one of these contender series, guys. Uh, you, can go, you can go check out someone else's game, the winner's article for that one. But uh, I have no recollection of this dude, so I'm going to go take Jordan Griffin. Because I wasn't impressed with Saldana's record. And when I looked at his bio, um, yeah, there wasn't anything impressive there for grappling. I, I want to say there was some kickboxing stuff, but I know between him and Bahamundes, and I think it's Bahamundes, like one of them has a ton, like a stupid amount of kickboxing experience. And I think that's Bahamundes. So I don't even think it's like anything crazy on Luis Saldana. Yeah, Luis Saldana boxed it. That's right. He's American. That's right. From Iowa. And he, he grew up boxing. But nothing on the ground and Jordan Griffin's a savage the only guys that have beat him were deceptively uh, scrappy fighters on the ground uh, scrappy UFC staples I should say on the ground so um, and Jordan Griffin had his moments against those guys you know I know he's got you know a wild style which doesn't uh, lend itself to fight IQ which is why I'm, I'm staying away 
Uh, or maybe I'll sprinkle a little bit. But yeah, I'll take Jordan Griffin as the dog. Not super confident in it and did not study Saldana. Be warned. All right, next fight. Thick Willie. Thick Willie Knight. Plus 110 versus Da Unjung. Minus 130. Oh, man, what are they doing? Uh, speaking of Thick Willie, what was it? The one guy who beat Thick Willie, Tafon Nchukwi, who was on my man Spencer's list. I forget who they have him measured up, but they have him fighting an Asian dude too, man. I'm like, what the heck? I am, uh, you know, this is the week, as you saw on Twitter, this is the uh, week, the decade anniversary of your boy here getting beat up by Marvin Eastman's son. You know, talk about triggered. <laughs> I'm feeling triggered. <laughs> that being said, um, you know, even though the world uh, does not give Asians their due, uh, hey, you, you got to give people giving their respect to Asians, and that is the odds makers in public for whatever reason. They got uh, Don Jung here at minus 130. But um, the thing is, you know, all jokes aside, because, uh, you know, I can't get mad. You know, it's it's uh, you know, uh, <laughs> about the dynamic, because let, let's be honest, you know, fetishizing black men is just as racist as, uh, <laughs> you know, making fun of the Asian guys. So uh, we'll call it a wash here. Uh, I got love for both guys, but I don't know, man. Don Jung, by his own admission, like you go and read his bio, he sounds like a he sounds like a bully, man. Uh, da Eun Jung, um, he uh, he says he was a bad kid, man. He did some boxing growing up and, and bullied kids. And uh, you look at the size of Da Eun Jung, and he is like giant, you know. Like I don't even know if Da Eun Jung's Asian. He he looks like a <laughs> he looks like he congealed somewhere. Like he reminds me of like that mongoloid character. Forgive me. Uh, he looks like the bottom half of Master Blaster from uh, Mad Max Thunderdome, right? He looks like Blaster. <laughs> He's like the Korean version of that. Oh, my God. He, he looks like he's definitely got some uh, R strength. I'm trying to get that word out of my repertoire. <laughs> it looks like he's got it for sure. That, that Lee Jing Lang strength. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I totally see why he's favored, though. Uh, Don and Jung could be lighting him up early. However, you know, it, as we saw in that Sam Alley fight, things can get really sketchy late. And that's where Thick Willie thrives, you know? Um you know, I, I was going back. I know I read this before on Thick Willie's bio, but like uh, Thick Willie, man, he, he's uh, his, his goal is to put Connecticut on the map. And uh, if there's anything to a civic, Thick Willie has done it to it, which puts my head in weird directions. Um, but yeah, man, Thick Willie, if he didn't drain himself with his uh, Latino strength and conditioning coach in quarantine and all these quarantines, I think Thick Willie's got enough juice to thrive late. And, uh, you know, uh, as Paul Felder puts it, spread the chicken of uh, Don Jung. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Thick Willie here, and I'm going to I'm gonna sprinkle on Thick Willie just because, you know, you know, you know I love my... I, I got to go with my guy, Thick Willie, here. Um, you guys know that. Uh, next fight, they, they kind of put this out of order, so I'm going to jump up. Uh, Yagen, Yagen, Yagen de Castro, minus 310. Chuck, I had a double burger. Versus... Jarjus Danho, Man Mountain, plus 255. I remember when this guy fought, and everyone's like, oh, a guy named Man Mountain, he must be so freaking tough. And, like, he literally had, like, the most suspect performance where he was just, like, quitting. Like, i never seen a guy want to quit and get out of a fight so hard. And you never hear me laud those accusations on a fighter. But, one, go watch the fight. And, two, just the fact that he just, you know, power lifting. You know, the guy just... Totally built himself on life, on bullying, never having to get in a fight, just being a fucking size bully, and uh, you know the you know 
I'm so big. Uh, every time I'm in a bad mood, I see a Shaq commercial for some reason. I think that's the universe jabbing at me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, Jarvis Jano has a lot of that energy to him. So it was just really funny to see him crumble. And I love it. Um, if you go to his, uh, I'm going to post this in a second. I took a picture. It was so goddamn ridiculous. I, I pulled up his bio because um, I wasn't getting these bios back when the last time Chargers Daniel fought. And uh, I looked and like he was a his job was a bouncer for a family restaurant. And then under that, it says favorite grappling technique, bear hug. I mean, this, this guy's a joke. He's, he, just, he thinks he's so tough. Favorite striking technique, knockout. Like it's like the most dumbest, brutish jock like, wanting to be a UFC fighter is Jarjus Daniel. Like, in no way should Jorgen Castro be trusted as a favorite, minus, plus, uh, minus a 3-1 to one favorite, much less a 3-1 to one favorite in the heavyweight division. That being said, like, I, I almost want to f- find a way to play against Dano out of principle because this guy is just finishing. He finally just got enough balls to fight out the last of his contract, probably needs some money. And, uh, and yeah, uh, Jorgen will, Jagen, Jagen will send him on his way. So I got Jagen here. Um, lastly, but not leastly, Impa, the Pimpa Kasangane minus 275, Sasha Palatnikov plus 235. This is crazy. Cause like they're making Impa a big favorite again, where he S the bed and then Sasha, who was a big underdog and he upset like everybody, uh, Maybe not everybody, but I just remember it was like one of those one of the biggest favorite in the cards, right? So I mean, he upset the odds, right? He upset the house, right? Uh, and they make him a big underdog here again. And it's funny you all look at like Sasha Palatnikov's um, resume, and it's just like all di- every different martial art you could think of, the dude has done, and it's kind of impressive. He's got all these like random accolades, nothing like too crazy or notable, but just a lot of stuff in a little. It's like. It's like it's like it's like the Danton version on steroids, right? It's like he's done a lot of little things around the world, right? Um, and then you just like look at Info Kasangane, who is like they're they're saying is like you know a near three to one favorite, and it's just like what's his skill set? Athletic. <laughs> just kidding. That that is racist. That is the Mike Goldberg breakdown. Uh, Jesus, Dan, why kick Mike Goldberg while he's down? Uh, <laughs> obviously, Info Kasangane, he's actually got smart shot selection, body work. I'm somebody who's actually broken his game down, and I don't reduce fighters, much less him, to being athletic. That was obviously a joke. But when you do look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, one dude just started learning how to fight a few years ago, whereas this other dude is, like, way more experienced, coming off wins, has the momentum, and he's just getting disrespected by the odds makers here. Uh, I'm going to pick Kasangane despite that, but obviously between me getting burned to... Even just the wiki case that I laid out before you because I didn't go back to review these fighters. I'm going back off what I remember from my previous reviews. Admittedly so here, folks. Again, the caveat from the beginning here. Been a crazy week. Uh, I am going to go with Kasangane. Uh, I'm avoiding this fight for the prices, though. I don't blame anybody for taking a stab on the dog. Um, but I'd be careful about the unders here because Kasangane can really you know, drag out a fight. And that's probably going to be his way to win because he doesn't want to get too crazy against a guy like Palatnikov. I was probably going to want to fight within himself. Um, all right. So we did pretty good on time for an expedited edition, I'd say. I know I got random off track with you guys with my random film thoughts and contrarian thoughts that got me unfollowed on Twitter. But, hey, we will we, we will take some left turns here on the Protecting Neck podcast. All right. Recapping from top to bottom. Um, taking Yagen DeCastro over Jarjus Daniel. 
Uh, I know that's not from top to that's just how the odds are listed. The rest are kind of in order here. Taking Vittori over Holland, taking Yusef over Allen, taking Marquez over Alvi, taking Ansaroff over Dern, taking D-Rod over Perry, taking Selecki, second coming of Kenny Florian over Milasan, who I'll be sprinkling on with my hat, taking Gamrot over Josh Houtsman, taking Bahamundes over Hanging around, hanging, hanging around McDessie. Taking Dumont over Blanchfield. Taking Shore over Azure. Taking Griffin over Saldana. Taking Thick Willie over Jung. Taking Kasangane over Palatnikov. Looking for someone to parlay Shore with. We'll pull the trigger on Shore if he gets back to 160 or below. Uh, may even pull the trigger on uh, whoever that minus Daniel Rodriguez was if he goes under minus 140. Thick Willie I'll sprinkle on. I think I sprinkled him on at 120, but I might have to get 110 on the other book. Um, yes, if Miller, especially if he keeps going over plus 200, I'm going to do a small flyer sprinkle with my hat there. And you don't have to follow me off of that, Cliff. Um, everything pretty much is in a void this week. I apologize, folks, for not the best work. I really want to give you guys my best. I'm hoping, you know, getting these... All, all the things on my never-ending hydra of a to-do list taken care of so I can give you guys my best. Um, I do love doing this. It's just been uh, it's, it's just been crazy lately. So thank you guys. Hopefully you all love the extra content last week. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like this video. Subscribe Daniel Tom MMA, MMA on YouTube. Uh, at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. At Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. Apple Podcasts. Give this a five-star ratings and review. It helps a lot. The Amazon click-throughs, which you can find over at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com that hosts this show. If you want to give a donation for this free show, uh, straight up, PayPal.com. I'm going to post what I've most recently bought with your guys' contributions to show you guys where this money is going. Or, at no cost to you, you want to support the show, click-through on the Amazon or on it, click-through banners at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Till next time, good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your neck.